Welcome back to the Cock and Ball Podcast, where you look at all things Spurs, the time it takes you to walk from Seven Sisters to White Hart Lane. I'm Tom, aka Fan. With me tonight uh, is the working man browsing Reddit and searching the next GameStop. It's Ash. Good evening, gents. And alongside him is a man who feels as empty as his hedge fund. It's Jules. Bye, bye, bye. How you doing, mate? I'm <laughs> good, thank you. Uh, finally, we have the man who regulates our podcast market, keeping us firmly within the law. It's Jim. Bonsoir, ça va. Tremel, Jim. Tremel. Yes, we need to talk about it. Uh, Thursday last week, we faced Liverpool, who, despite their form, ran away with a 3-1 victory. Uh, Tottenham remain the answer to everyone else's problems, certainly, Ash. Yeah. Yeah, and we were discussing on the night of the game. At the time, I was felt I was too angry to provide any sort of substance or anything productive at all. But I am, if anything, I'm angrier now than I was after the Liverpool game. I mean, there was no, there was no intensity or there was no idea whatsoever. And I think nothing typified that more than when Kane had to go off and Jose Mourinho subs just made absolutely no sense whatsoever. All our attacks were coming because Kane was able to hold up the ball or win a free kick. And so instead of replacing him with a target man, he might be able to hold up the ball. He brings on Lamella, who only knows how to do rollovers and kick people when they're already down. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I don't mind losing to Liverpool, but that performance was embarrassing. Yeah, wouldn't disagree. Did you, Fen, how, how irate were you? You're already pretty red most of the time, but how, how irate <laughs> were you uh, when you saw Lamella come on? Yeah, I mean, a red face is a permanent pigment for a man of my fair complexion. But it's just, it's not just when your only striker goes off, the natural instinct is to to bring another one on and to bring on another attacking, in inverted commas, midfielder is, is quite frustrating <laughs> for, a, you know, a man who just likes to run around stepping on people and not actually building the play. And it, it's frustrating, really. Just thought we were completely overrun in all aspects of the pitch, really. I felt, Struggling I, to find a positive, really. I felt outclassed more than anything else. The difference between the two teams felt really apparent. Like, sometimes you kind of pretend to me like, oh, well, maybe we've you know, put together a run of form. No, no, they are so much better <laughs> than, than we are. We offered absolutely nothing when we had the ball. Absolutely nothing. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm not sure... Being outclassed is the problem because sometimes that just happens. There are there are better football teams, but it's more to do with the fact that um, when you could go toe to toe with them, it just didn't happen. I, I don't know what your threes. I mean, I know what your threes reading of the game was. It was very angry. Uh, I, was, I, was sort of, I was honestly moments away from call, calling like some prevention helplines for all of you, but but I, it felt to me like it was a. Poor performance as a team compounded by individual errors that were entirely avoidable. And if you just have the poor team performance, then you can kind of put it down to a bad day at the office or insert the cliche here. But just before we started recording this, I watched the goals again just because it was a few days ago now. And I, the first one, I'm looking at it and thinking, where's Eric Dyer? The second one, um, the second one's an extraordinary bit of skill from Mane, but he he just turns his man so easily. Um, and the third one, just, yeah. Poor, <laughs> um, Joe, poor Joe Rodon, who I actually feel sorry for because I think um, he's taken a bit more heat than he should have done. Um, it's difficult to find too many positives about it. But I suppose th- this thing about being everybody else's uh, answer to their problems kind of becomes 
a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm. Um, so I suppose if you want a positive, it was only three. Well, we scored a goal. <laughs> what more do you want? Give us some sort of credit, Jules. Like playing balls through to some kind of work. <laughs> um, it was a weird one. I, I didn't actually think in this game we were so bad on the ball. And Hoysberg's strike is is a is a great goal. It's got that lovely sort of like going away from you kind of uh, sort of arcing into the corner, doesn't it? You didn't do um, it. <laughs> well, I don't know. I used to believe he, he's got that he's, in his locker. He's hit. He's hit a couple of absolute worldies from distance for Southampton. Like he's, yeah, he's, 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 he's got a few that have landed in Chingford. <laughs> in fairness if there wasn't a net there that would have landed in Chingford as well it was one hell of a strike yeah uh, I thought it was brilliant I'm with Jules I think he did mean it yeah it's a great it's a great goal but I actually think in this game as much as we had the individual errors we also had some individual moments which looked quite good like the Hoysberg uh, strike which was which was amazing um, but yeah I just, I, I just feel like whenever we play in particular City and Liverpool and you play collectives which are really good without the ball, it feels really apparent that we're not very good without the ball. They really controlled how that match sort of played out and where we were able to put two touches together and where we really struggled. Um, and we just couldn't couldn't get tight to them. That By the end, they were really sort of just passing it around and taking the piss a bit with, with Trent at the back. It sort of leads into my point about Brighton as well, um, or two points really. We have no discernible patterns of attack whatsoever. You can't see any triangles forming. You can't see us trying to drag the defence from, from one side to the other with quick passing. We don't see um, passing that draws the defenders out of position either. We literally just, everybody goes in their positions as you write the formation down on a piece of paper and stands there and hope someone like Kane or Son does something magic. And that doesn't work. And nobody's performance highlights that as much as Son. How much worse is Son when Kane isn't on the pitch? And I think we saw that against Brian. He doesn't know what to do. He, he knows no one else is going to find him, especially with Ndombele playing deeper. He, he just seems clueless without Kane. I don't understand that the changing system seems to confuse them because weirdly, we're you know looking at the results we got um, at City, we were unlucky at Anfield, the result against Arsenal. We're, we're actually not bad at the low block as ugly as it is. Uh, but it's almost like we completely forgotten how to do that. And it, it's weird because we learnt a low block, which meant we forgot how to play football. But now we seemingly have forgotten how to do the low block. Uh, it's like <laughs> do you not Simpson him- quote. But every time I learn something new, it pushes something old out of my head. <laughs> then, I looked up the quote and I forgot the second line, which is, remember that time I took a home winemaking course and forgot how to drive? <laughs> that is happening to our players. But for some reason, tactically, and I don't get it. Do you, do you not think our, the problem tactically is that a low block when you score first is all right. But if they take the lead... You can put attacking players on the pitch, but the players don't know how to play together and they end up not receiving the ball anyway. Like yeah. against in both of these cases, we switched to having like dominant, well, midfields which were meant to be dominant with suddenly three or four players in central areas to play between the lines and ending up with attacking players on the pitch. But they all just looked at each other and were like, so when Toby hits it 30 yards over our heads, do we, do we go for the second ball? After the game... Josie Mourinho said, I go home with positive feelings towards my boys because of the last half an hour. That's after the Brighton game. We had eight shots all game. What fucking positive feelings is he getting <laughs> from eight shots against full from bottom? 
But if you turn eight on its side, it's infinity. Which... <laughs> we were talking before the, the Brighton game about it being interesting, shall we say, about Spurs adopting a W formation. And it's quite unfortunate, really, that W ended up standing for wank rather than win. <laughs> but, um, but it... I don't know. I, I did wonder yesterday with the with the Brighton game whether the part of the problem was positional kind of unfamiliarity, people being asked to do things that they're not normally uh, trained to do. But I'm not sure it necessarily was that because there was something just missing. It felt like um, it felt right. like there were two or three goals. Yeah, it felt like there were there were quite a few gears to go through before you even got to any kind of coherence. Do you, not, it, do you not think though that's the worrying thing is that I don't think it is as simple as like we were just missing Kane or we were just missing you know a man to run off the shoulder. It was yeah. it was poor and slow in our own third, mm-hmm. not progressive in the middle, couldn't make it stick up top, and the exact yeah. same without the ball. We had a bad back line, a midfield that didn't win 50-50s, and a front line that didn't press well. Every, like it's, it's not <laughs> like there was one thing wrong. It's that. It's, <laughs> All, all the cohesive parts of a team performance were shit. Yeah, would not have won us those games. Yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't think it's like, oh, it's just because Harry's not there. We we did say, didn't we, yesterday? It it felt like there were, there was nothing in between the lines. It felt like three disparate parts, and there was a, it felt to me like there was a triangle in the sort of second quarter of the pitch, uh, between Brighton's eighteen yard line and the halfway line, where Spurs were just absent completely almost it felt to me like it was really the second phase of play that after winning the ball back because Brighton did a lot of things right but they weren't necessarily brilliant at keeping possession all the time every time Spurs won the ball back they just lost it again straight away mm. we, we also though we shouldn't make this Brighton side sound like their peak Barcelona like we made it we no no we we made them look we made them look really good but actually none of their players had like an outstanding game it's not that their goalkeeper made like six or seven world class saves or they had two strikers who scored a couple of absolute worldies they they are a lower half premiership team who have a reasonable ball willing centre mid and some okay forwards and we made them look very good they weren't Brighton didn't play their game of the season yesterday. We do need to say something good, I suppose. You know, we've got Tottenham fans listening and we don't want to send them all off disappointed. And, I mean, the, the game did change a little bit when Vinicius came on and we had um, Bergwijn in, in the number 10. Not that he's fantastic in that position. It's obviously not his best position, but it made we had that, it meant we had that extra option in midfield. And Vinicius did give us something different going forward. Mm. And he did have that. At least he had a shot. Not many of our players had a shot, but he had a shot. And yeah. Sanchez had to make a very good save. It... I'll give you my one positive from the game. God, Tongi's good at football. And okay. thank God. And thank God he's got another four years on his contract. Go okay, on, just take a step back as well. You said that uh, Brighton didn't play their game of the season yesterday, but I think in a lot of ways they probably did actually. Particularly in the first fifteen minutes, Brighton's tactical discipline. They're positional awareness the way they used space was outstandingly good and the goal was very very nicely worked as well so I suppose we're really poor there's no no getting away from that just like they were poor against Liverpool but let's not lose sight of the fact that one of these defeats is against a team that's still to my mind probably the best team in the country on its day 
Uh, and the other against a team that's been struggling, but has been on the wrong end of a lot of one-goal defeats. And lots and lots of people have been saying about Brighton, something will click for them eventually. They're, they're quite close. Mm. Um, and this t- and it did seem to happen yesterday. And ultimately, you can flip that on its head, can't you? It's a one-goal defeat. So I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I don't disagree. think it's the end of the world. I wouldn't disagree with that. I think all I mean is that usually when 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 one of the best sides in the league, which sorry, which we're not now, but when <laughs> but when but when usually a very good side loses loses to a team in the lower half, it's usually down to either a goalkeeper's had an amazing game and like you know it's it's one of those days, or it's that the team in the the lower half has maybe had a player who who has massively that day sort of outperformed himself and been very special. I don't I think Brighton will be delighted with that win. Of course they will and they they did play well. But I think they can play better. I I don't think that's that's the scary thing for me is they didn't we 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 didn't challenge their keeper at all. As Ash mm. said, their keeper had bugger all to do apart from that Vinicius shot and their forwards could have scored more. Adviro makes an amazing block on the line, but like they mm. they yeah. They've they can go up a level, which makes me worry. <laughs> we had uh, we had the manager chat, didn't we, afterwards? And I, I said in, in the group, I'd like to see Graham Potter at a big club or a bigger club because I think he could. I figured they've got a very very good manager there who knows how to set up a team and get the, get players playing football, quote unquote, the right way. In, in, in <laughs> I think what bothers most people, and after that Liverpool game in particular, was the the. Social media outcry was massive. I haven't seen anything like that for a no. very, very, very long time. Um, the inquest was uh, very, very in-depth and pretty brutal at times. But I think the biggest issue for everyone is maybe not necessarily the result, but the nature of the loss. And there's clearly something culturally not right in the squad that for whatever reason, in the last few weeks, they they haven't got that fire. They can't seem to be able to think for themselves. And unfortunately for me, I think that sort of culture generally only comes from one place. Um, so we'll see how that pans out. But there are other positives. I mean, Lloris normally spreads his fatal errors across the season. He's kept it to all within one game, <laughs> which we probably deserve to lose anyway. So uh, in fairness, he under Mourinho has looked a lot better. He's got those errors out of his, out of his game. So if he's going to save them all for one game, I'm all for it. Another positive was Son actually scored very early. He was marginally offside and probably should have scored after 20 minutes against Liverpool. Um, so, so there were glimpses, glimpses of positivity. If the original objective was top four, even now, six points outside the top four with a game in hand. Now, one of those teams currently in the top four is Leicester, who are perennial bottlers. In fifth is West Ham. Enough said. Um, (laughs) So, you know, win the game in hand, you're essentially three points off target with 16, 17 games still to go. So last time Spurs lost two games on the spin and then went eight undefeated. So I think, you know, just... Just keep a bit of perspective and not be too too upset about it because in a week's time you might be talking about a handful of good wins. Well, it's not the end of the world, but our manager is a dinosaur and the asteroid is on the on the horizon. So yeah, <laughs> yeah the, the inquest, like I said earlier on social media, was massive and 
in light of that, we were a bit fearful when we put stuff out on our socials, um, trying to see what listeners thought, what they wanted us to talk about. Uh, so we kind of put a different twist in it, didn't we, Ash? We kind of suggested it doesn't have to be about football. It doesn't even have to be about the games. Literally anything, anything. So we don't have to talk <laughs> about these results. So we had uh, quite a few responses on our Twitter at cock and ball underscore pod. Uh, Ash, did we get any uh, good things that can distract us from the, uh, the misery? Yeah, where do I start? We had a fantastic response from Facebook community. One of my favourite questions came from Russell Anderson. And it goes, how many chickens would it take to overpower a lion? <laughs> <laughs> Jules, you look perplexed by that. <laughs> what, what are you going with? I think it's got to be like a solid thousand chickens or something, doesn't it? It's got, it's got to be enough to essentially weigh down the lion and then you've got to peck it to death. <laughs> the sheer weight of the chicken has to, well, the sheer, sheer weight of the chicken kind of mass has to, has to, you know, force the lion to the ground. And that's got to be a hell of a lot of chicken. What if the chicken's Big Bird? <laughs> now we're talking. Now we're really talking. These are the kind of questions. I mean, if they're, if they're anything like the kind of chickens that Fen used to buy from fucking Lidl back in the day when we lived together, then these chickens, might it might only take oh, ten, yeah. 10 of those things. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to go with a solid thousand chickens. Is anyone going is anyone, is anyone to up, up my guess? No way. I was going with that. 15. They're feisty little bastards. 15 chickens. It's a, it's a yeah. fucking lion. It's just going to take him out. It's like, oh, fuck off. Well, just see, he, he won't even stand up. He'll just go, go away. <laughs> How weak are the fucking lions that you're, that you're yeah. seeing that can't outfight 15 chickens? It's not the world the lions. So they are. So who, does that make us the chickens? Next question. <laughs> <laughs> so I think one that goes to, um, to Jim on account of being northern. Let's see how it differs. Scum <laughs> or scum? Oh, scum. Fastest cake in the world. <laughs> Does anyone say scone? No. I'm not posh enough to say scone. My missus um, does, though. Yeah, she's well posh. <laughs> she's pretty yeah. posh. We, have, we had a follow-up. Um, Tom, if you want to answer this one. What goes mm. on a scone first? Jam or cream? Well. Ooh. Oh, this is definite cornball. Yeah, it? It is, it's, it's that old dichotomy. <laughs> and... For me, and it's practical, it's purely practical, it's harder to get jam on cream than it is to get cream on jam. That is the only right answer. Yeah. Can, I yeah. f- can, I, can I tell you what my answer would be to that question? Butter. Butter? Butter, butter jam. Butter scone. So the cream tea thing goes on forever, and Cornwall puts its jam on first. So all I can say to this is, fuck Devon. Wankers. <laughs> <laughs> Bit of trivia. Apparently, in in American KFC, you get a scone and gravy as a side dish automatically with any meal you get because they call scones biscuits. So Ew, that's wrong. How weird does that sound? There you go. Bit of trivia for you, Tom. What what have you heard from the guys on Twitter? So at Quinny three hundred six, very uh, it, it was actually football related. Why are we absolute dog shit? I think we've kind of covered that. Uh, Ross Ferguson, 19, that said, what's the best roast dinner? Beef. Chicken. I don't like beef. It's too dry. It's very easy to get rolled. Very dry. Chicken because you get stuffing with it and you can have bread sauce. You can have stuffing with anything. You can have stuffing (laughs) with your cornflakes if you want. (laughs) To be fair, you are Spurs Spurs fans, so you should be used to a stuffing. (laughs) Roast like a lamb all the way. The only correct answer. Gammon. 
Oh, Gambit is good. Yeah, a lot makes suddenly a lot makes sense now. <laughs> <laughs> is it question? Is Gammon a roast? If you ever yeah, have Gammon Jules. <laughs> I didn't quite hear the punchline, but I know it was good because I could hear Fen giggling away on the line. Why is the word abbreviation such a long word? Oh, well, well, it's not a problem if you abbreviate it. <laughs> what is the shorthand then, Jim, for abbreviation? <laughs> that's, that's absolutely broken me, but it's A B R V N. So you just lose the vowels at the end. No, Basically, that's you, just how shorthand yeah. works. Um, something else that really tickled me came from Charlie Dyer. Why do we call them buildings when they've already been built? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, surely you'd call them a built. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you go to a bank or a built society? Quite a lot of people ask whether a Jaffa cake is really a biscuit, but I'm sure that one went to court, didn't it? Yeah, yeah it for did. tax purposes, I think it's a biscuit. Yeah. It affects the BAT or some sort of shit like that. Ignoring ignoring the tax aspect, surely a biscuit has to crack when you like like if you can't if you can't give it like a snap, then it's not a biscuit. It's the what happens when it goes stale. Mm. I think a biscuit goes yeah. soft, but a cake goes hard. A Jaffa biscuit goes soft. You've overthought this way too much. <laughs> Size matters, gents. <laughs> <laughs> and a Jaffa cake is small. <laughs> so eat more um, of them. At Kama three seven zero Z. Uh, I said, what's your favourite meal deal? And uh, to me, that's very dependent on uh, which supermarket you go to. For me, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Tesco man. Tesco started doing this satay chicken wrap. Or satay. Is... <laughs> satay, darling. Are you satay or satay? Satay. Nobody says satay. Oh, it's well, satay literally darling. no one. Satay wrap. I bet not even Jules says satay. satay. He doesn't know what it is. Satay, he, was, mate. he lived in Gabon. <laughs> <laughs> so hold on, what goes with you? What, what goes with your satay wrap? Apparently, then, Fen. Well, normally uh, knickknacks. <laughs> a pack of knickknacks, mate, nice and spicy. Uh, normally get some sort. Of, they do the duo chocolate bars as well, all for three pound. I don't know how they make money because it's, <laughs> you know, chocolate bars keep shrinking. They've now brought out the duos, which are the size of normal chocolate bars. Then they include those in the meal deal. So if I can, oh, they also do white Twix extra. Oh, yes. fucking love a naughty Twix, mate. We've had a bit of fun. Let's go to something a bit more serious. Christian Briones, I'm sorry if I mispronounced that, he asks, if you try to fail and succeed, what have you done? Succeeded. Failing to succeed. That should be the new club motto. <laughs> right. oh, God. Nothing better than a uh, proper fried breakfast, is there, lads? So one question came from Graham Brewer. Red or brown sauce on a bacon sandwich? Brown. Red. Brown? Brown. Brown is the only correct answer. Brown is just thick vinegar. It's gross. Yeah. <laughs> Peasants. While I'm at here, is it a bacon sandwich or a bacon butty? It's butty oh, for me all the way. Could be a bap if you gin. <laughs> no. That depends no. on the bread. Yeah, it does. I think sandwich. No. Jules is broken. <laughs> you just killed me with that. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like a but, but, but for me, they're two different things. One's like... Com- word butty isn't it as soon as as it's a bacon sandwich it feels a bit fancier it's a panini to you (laughs) (laughs) so i'm one for you 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 put something in the um in the chat to me earlier 
Liam Emerson wants to know, what's the funniest joke you know off by heart? I don't really tell many funny jokes. You try it. I'm not sure whether people laugh with me or at me, and I think it's the latter. Two parrots sat on a perch. One says, yeah, can you smell fish? <laughs> yeah, this is what, this is what we're working on. Paul Proctor asks, toast with cheese melt on it, what's it called? But is there anything other than cheese on toast? Cheese on toast or if you jewels. <laughs> it's just slander. This is fucking unbelievable. Fromage avec pain. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is in Jules' household. So we're actually recording on transfer deadline day, uh, which is brought absolutely nothing of note, and nor will it. Um, Troy Parrott's gone on loan to Ipswich, probably quite a good thing for him. Uh, didn't do so well at Millwall in all honesty. Um, one fascinating bit of transfer news is the uh, now confirmed transfer of Jason Fernandez. Uh, loan has been cut short by Benfica he has joined uh, Galatasaray but I don't know if you saw it they, they had to bring in a, a, an air ambulance like an ambulance plane that had to be sanctioned by a Turkish minister to fly him in because allegedly he's got uh, Covid <laughs> I don't know if you've ever heard of a transfer like that for someone so trivial So from one man leaving North London to a leader and a legend supposedly leaving Chelsea they've had to they've brought in Tuchel got rid of Lampard they got their first win under him the other day and we're facing them next Jules how do you think that's going to play out badly is <laughs> the simple answer no I mean they've, they've, they've got a better squad than we do and Tuchel is a smart manager um so I'm slightly worried about that. They'll also be playing most likely a, a three at the back system again. Um, it seems like they're reinventing Hudson Adore in that kind of role. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that how that plays out for us. But Mourinho, um, I think last time they they played a three at the back system against us, tried to match them up, and that's worked really well the last two games. Um, so not 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 feeling too positive. Oh, but it worked against Sheffield. <laughs> Surely uh, she can't persist with this three at the back system no it was like i mentioned earlier it was quite clear when we went to back to the old four two three one or four three three or whatever you want to call it we looked far better we still had generally speaking other than a few counter-attacks we had more of the ball and created far more going forward than we did beforehand it also helps to have an actual striker on the pitch and the focal point that occupies defenders and can win the odd header yeah, I'm not confident. It might just be leftover melancholy from the other games, but it's I'm not I'm not positive. There's also no one I hate losing to more than mm. Chelsea. Personally, it, it, it hurts more than Arsenal for me. The only team I'd hate to lose to more than Arsenal for me is West Ham. Yes, Jules, just out of interest, is the um, Chelsea thing because they're horrible plastic club, or because you're a West London boy, or both? Uh, it's about the club, the ownership, the stockpiling of players, the history of racist abuse, <laughs> the sexism. <laughs> uh, like, take take your pick. They've basically been the most morally reprehensible club for the past two decades in football. Did you get enough of a nibble there, Jim? Fair play. <laughs> My I was expecting league. something brief, and I got chapter and <laughs> verse, but. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to think, really. Thomas Tuchel's sides tend to like possession, uh, which is kind of, again, the antithesis of Mourinho. We seem to say this a lot, but 
But I don't know. It, part of me thinks he might get a bit of a reaction, but then part of me thinks also Spurs are just a bit crap at the moment. So um, yeah, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be overly confident about it. Depends on the system for me. I think we played so well with almost identical lineups against the likes of Liverpool and City and Arsenal, as I mentioned earlier. It worked that not having possession and having Suzuka and Hoybier sit deep and Dombele moving the ball up the pitch uh, and getting Son on the counter. Obviously, we miss Kane as a bit of a linchpin. Don't see why we can't find someone else to fill in that role or we can use Vinicius as a target man. But for me, we've got to have two things mainly. We've got to have three people in midfield because otherwise we're just going to get run about uh, and we can't have Davies and Suzuka as win-backs. They are fundamentally not win-backs. They are barely defenders. What do you what, and what's your gut instinct say for for the score, uh, Ash? I want to be positive. I really, really do, and I hate being the negative one. But I can't see a win. I don't want to say I lost, so I'm going to say one-one. Jim, I had a similar thought. So for the sake of being different, I'm going to say nil-nil. <laughs> Fenners. I'm a big believer in new manager syndrome. I genuinely believe it's a thing. Uh, This is Tuchel's third game in charge. He'll have a really good idea of how to get the best out of this team by then uh, against a team who doesn't know how to get the best out of anyone. So I'm normally the optimistic one about the trend, but I don't care anymore. I think we'll lose 2-1. I think you're all being a bit positive. Which is which is a worrying <laughs> sentence. I think we might get absolutely twatted here, being honest. They've got that bounce coming into perfect form and I could see someone like Timo Werner, who's been basically poo for the last two months, deciding now's the time to get himself back into scoring form. So I'm going for a 4-1 loss. OK, well, on a possibly slightly more positive note, uh, a few days after the Chelsea game, Spurs are at home again against what I believe is by some distance the poorest team in the Premier League, even though they've got more points than Sheffield United. West Brom are absolutely dog shit. How do you think that one's going to go? I, yeah, we, we should be beating them and we should be beating them comfortably, but we struggle to break down teams that sit back and in Sam Allardyce they have the second best person at doing that after Jose Mourinho. So um, <laughs> it depends on whether we've got any creative players on the pitch. I don't think Ndombele's injury was anything serious, so he should be playing. I'd like to see Deli Ali come back into the team because I don't think he's seriously injured. Um, and hopefully we do. If we go with five at the back against West Brom, then that's it. So having said all that, I think we are going to win 2-0. Uh, Jules? I think it will be a lovely one-all draw to add to our collection of one-all draws. Wow, you are feeling the negativity today, aren't you? Uh, I'm going to be more positive about this one. I think Spurs are going to win this pretty comfortably, even with uh, Harry Kane missing. So I'll say 3-0, which leaves Tom. Mm. There's a worrying trend in our last fixtures where we've been the last game in a round. So we're the last game on a Sunday or we'll play on a Thursday and teams have been playing through the week. And I think where, particularly for some of the last few rounds of fixtures, results have actually gone our way. And then when you're the last team to play, whether that actually puts a lot more pressure on it. I don't know if players are that 
and are aware of it, whether it actually affects pressure on them anyway. There's always going to be a certain amount of pressure. Um, I'm not sure, men, then that this sort of fixture scheduling as it is suits us because we're under even more pressure when we're under terrible, terrible form. And I think that's why I'm going to side with Jules. I, I think this has got a one or draw written all over it. We'll be frustrated. We might even score first, but I can't. I can't see us bucking the trend because I can't see us getting a win at Chelsea, and I can't see us being able to lift our heads above the parapet. We haven't got the balls. I'm. I'm hoping the fact that Jim, as the objective member of the of the pod, has said that we might get three points in our second game. I'm, I'm hoping you're the smart one. Yes. God, it goes again. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.